Zero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I am joined by my good buddies, Keith Enough and Nelson Beltry. Oh, guys, there was a chance that we recorded, that we were going to record this past Tuesday. It was the NBA Draft Lottery, but alas, the results were so bad that, uh, well, we've, Alkin and I have been crying ever since. Uh, Alkin, how are you doing uh, in, in these uh, difficult times? Honestly, very disappointed with the result. Six pick. I know we had a very high chance for six pick. I was hoping some movement up to the top four, but such is life being a Pacers fan. We really get the first pick. But the, the real prize, Richard, is getting that first pick next year. That's the real prize. That's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking future. I'm thinking future. Got, got to keep that in mind. That's all I'm going to have in my head now. It's 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 really what it is. Like, hey, can we can we be bad for one more year? Just just one more, and then if you can, man, the the not not just the you know top pick next year, but the top five are looking uh, pretty nice uh, as as we speak. But let's hope. I mean, let's hope so. I think our both of our teams are prime for another development year, as we like to call them. We'll we'll see. Pistons have a little bit of space, and I I I just hope. Again, no shortcuts, please. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, up until uh, draft day, I know I'll be watching uh, some uh, Big Ten basketball. Uh, I've been watching some YouTube clips of some e- EYBL um, with uh, Ivy Murray and Sharp being kind of the guys who I think are going to be there right around that area. I'm hoping the Kings decide to, you know, uh, I don't know, pick do, do, do something silly like, like they usually do. Um, but you know we'll have to we'll have to just wait and see. Uh, now, let's go ahead and make our way to actual uh, basketball that is happening. Um, since since as, one of our teams uh, are still playing. Exactly. Like, who would have thought? Who would have thought that um, the uh, Miami Heat, uh, you know, could c- could be discussed in in these here times? But uh, you know, Heat culture, Ethan, you're wearing the shirt. Uh, our listeners cannot cannot uh, see that, but you wear the Heat Culture shirt, and uh, at the moment you are up two to one in this series. And uh, which, uh, by the way, before before we let Ethan go in, I'm happy you're wearing the Heat Culture shirt because I just heard an interview with Jermaine O'Neal when they got onto the Heat and about staying on there, and he's like, "I knew the culture wasn't for me when I'm over my 30s," and the Heat measure that that body fat content and he's like i'm looking at my oreos and those oreos are staring back at me at home and he's like i ain't for this culture that's when i knew that made me think of you ethan listen jermaine knows a really cool player i i yeah. really liked him like you know the fact that he never made me a pacer fan is, is honestly one of the more impressive things about my intestinal fortitude for the heat he did give Dwayne wade uh, one of his uh first posters i believe Dwayne wade posterized him in the playoffs his rookie year Listen, Dwayne Wade did that to a lot of people. Yeah, very one good, of... very good basketball players. But enough about that. We can let's talk go. about Dwayne Wade all day. Let's but go it's present. Not, let's let's not worry about him too much tonight. Um, the thing about this Heat series, and I was talking to Richard about it before we hit record today. The most frustrating thing, man, is just it's so much flopportunity out here. It's just a lot of flailing and wailing and gnashing of teeth, all that kind of stuff. I just I just cannot find a flow to this game because I don't feel like anyone's actually out here to play basketball. It's just how can we manage to get the whistle to blow? Yeah. And I I would love to have like 
you know, I should have done a little pre-pod work to look. There's 24 fouls by the Heat, 21 fouls by the Celtics, and those numbers just sound astronomically high to me. I know there's a little bit of fouls at the end of the game to get the free throws, but it still just felt like just an ugly bloodbath, terrible thing to watch, despite my team winning. The thing that makes no sense, like just just absolutely no sense. Usually, uh, you know, you, if if you're a basketball reference, uh, you know, one of the early things that they did to try to like, you know, figure out like, hey, you know, uh, what, what's the reason why this team won or that team won, and, and you go to the four factors, right? Effective field goal percentage, how well did you shoot from the field, um, turnover percentage, you know, uh, offensive rebound percentage, and uh, free throws per field goal attempt and so if you look at those generally you can kind of get the sense of kind of where things were in the game and Boston won every one of them except for the turnover battle and that being such a huge discrepancy you end up you know losing by six in the end right 21 percent uh turnover percentage uh by Boston uh compared to seven uh from from Miami, a seven and a half, and you know, you look at it, it's like, wow, they, they shot way more free throw attempts, right? They wow, they, they shot way better from the field, even killed them on the boards, and still couldn't make it happen. Yeah, it was one of those things that, like, the the performance of Bam Adebayo, which we've been I've been championing for all postseasons, is for him to be the second best player on the court, and and like I'm not talking about when. Jimmy Butler is on the court. I'm just talking about in general, like if it's Joel Embiid in the first series, like, well, Jimmy Butler playing with him in the, in the original series, but it's like playing up to Joel Embiid's level and being aggressive. But like, I kind of always forgave him for that because Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate. He was the, one of the best bigs in the league. He is a physical monster, seven, you know, seven foot plus and can move. So I kind of understood where Bam was like, let me just get these duck-ins. Let me just get these quick, you know, when everyone else works hard, I'll, I'll finish the job. So I kind of forgave him. But the, the first two games against Boston, I'm like, I just don't see who you're worried about. Like, even, like, I think the most athletic person to be concerned about is like a Jason Tatum coming from the weak side. Not not anyone directly in front of him. So it was really nice to see Bam, even before Jimmy was out, getting really aggressive, playing with his head like to score. And then what came from that? He also got six assists. You know, Strews had a good game shooting the three ball. PJ Tucker had a good day shooting the three ball. Like guys who he was playing a lot of minutes with, everyone kind of rose to his level coming off some of his passes. And I I 100% just think that's the kind of band we need, even if Jimmy's back. You got to play with that chip on your shoulder and decide that you're the best player on the court or second best player on the court, however you want to slice it the other challenge um that boston had in this series is or at least early on in this game is too much daniel tice um and it it got out of hand really quickly i think score ballooned up to like 20 to 6 uh and it was miami began to just start by thinking hey we're, we're gonna switch we're gonna switch everything basically uh we're gonna try to cut off any um, any sort of action that you try to try to run, let's go ahead and just eliminate it from taking place because my that's one of the things Miami does. Boston does that uh, frequently as well, although um, uh, you could really see it from Miami here. And when when they did, you have Tice out there, and the, you're not 
feeding Tice. It's it's not as if like it's a Jonas Valanciunas thing where all right, let's go ahead and dump it down to him and have him go to work against a smaller Lowry or something like that. And they just couldn't find a way to um, uh, make Miami pay for 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 doing that early on. It put Jason Tatum into very difficult uh, spots. He was you know spraying the ball over the place too, and. Then on the in the transition game, that's really also where you know early on there was just Boston was getting crushed in the transition and early offense game because Tice is so slow, couldn't make it up the floor in time, and and so it just led to this uh, you know huge gap right at the beginning. And I don't know, I know Robert Williams is out, but I don't think the move is to go to Tice. It's it should be all right. Let's go ahead and go to Grant Williams uh, because. At least in that regard, you can keep up with with your um, switching if you need to, and you can um, uh, you know you have the ability to space a little bit more. So when they help uh, on, on these Tatum drives, and you ha- you have places to kick it to. And even if you want to have Grant Williams come off the bench for some kind of like, all right, we want Horford, Tatum, like and Grant Williams. Those are like our three, four or a four or five rotation, right? Because Tatum is a very big man. Even then, you should start a guy like a Derek White because Derek White, at least, is a ball mover and it, like can probe the lane when he gets it. If you leave Derek White open, yeah, he probably shouldn't shoot all the time because he's not an elite shooter. But he's the kind of guy who, if you give him a wide open lane because you're giving him space to shoot, he's a guy who can take a couple dribbles in, make the defense collapse a little bit, and then make the right decision to kick out. And you're not losing anything by playing him. Like Marcus Smart... Uh, Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, like all those guys are relatively switchable defenders as as well as Al Horford. Like you could get by playing the Heat with Derek White in the starting lineup. Like Daniel Tice just takes so much off the table for you when there's not a guy like Deadman out there or it's not a bamless lineup. When you're talking about like if PJ Tucker ever plays some center minutes, you could probably get away with Tice then because you you have two guys who are both kind of zeros on offense without a really good facilitator to help them. Yeah, I mean, that definitely makes a lot of sense. I think that was my biggest takeaway when I was watching. I was like, man, why is this run happening? Why is the game started like this? And then you kind of see why the way that they started their lineups, what lineups they chose. And then it's interesting how at the end of the game, Daniel Tice ended up with about 10 minutes, 47 seconds of playing time. And then you see like Grant Williams with 39 minutes, which is kind of like what you what you want to see. I, I don't know. I think looking at other players – I was a little worried at first when Jimmy Butler went out and I saw the lead dwindling a little bit, but I think Ethan kind of brought it up. I mean, this is a series where Bam has to be aggressive and I think this is a game he needed it to be aggressive. If he wouldn't have had that type of performance, I I think that he might've lost that lead because no one, I mean, at least you had like your, some of your role players contributing, but like your main role players, like yeah, Tyler Hero still had, had another off game. Like, they were struggling. I think Bam 15 for 22. I think what I saw today, I kind of expect more of that from him. But then I also don't expect. Um, I think looking at it, I also don't expect Jimmy Butler to be out that much. And I think uh, Spolstra kind of saw the necessity of it. He's like, hey, Jimmy Butler's like a, pretty much our bucket getter, and the matchup favors you when you need to. And I'm, I'm telling you, Bam, I saw some of the shots he was throwing up. I mean, it was pretty much like everything we want to see. But I think overall, with them, 
I don't expect Bam to average 30 points for the rest of the series. But he is someone that you would think in this series will get you between at least 15 to 20 every night. I think that's something that I, at least like, I feel like 15 is something I should be seeing from him every night, but we'll see how it goes. Richard, go ahead. Well, it's Bam took 22 field goal attempts, which I, I pretty sure I saw somewhere on Twitter, uh, which, uh, you know, I, who, who knows, who knows, but I, I, it's the most field goal attempts he's had, I think in a game. Um, and uh, like, you need him to be aggressive like this. We've been clamoring for it for a while. And, uh, you know, you know, like like Ethan was saying, the Boston guys can't can't stay in front. Horford can't really make it happen. Tice has no chance. Um, and you know, Grant Williams too short. Uh, but it's it seems like um, he needs to maintain this level of aggression, whether he's taking that many shots or not. Uh, he needs to maintain this this level of aggression. And uh, you know, whether you're attacking the rim and drawing extra help, he can kick it. Whatever it is, he needs to maintain this aggressiveness. Uh, I don't know if this changes when um, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what um, Rob Williams' situation is if 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 he would spend any time there. But it looks like it's like hey, Horford's the guy mostly who will be on who who's going to be there. Um, I I just wonder uh, is this something that he can keep up? If it is, then I think Miami. We'll have to see what happens with, with Butler, right, with, with his injury. But uh, assuming that, you know, Jimmy can come back, even if he's slightly hampered, if Bam can maintain this aggression, um, you know, Miami's, right now they're 2-1, so they're they're kind of, you know, in, in, in the driver's seat a little bit. I, they, they can make it happen. Um, so we'll have to see. We'll have to see uh, what, what happens. But um, I'm look, that, that's one thing I'm looking for, that, that Bam aggression. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be required – if Jimmy Butler does have some problems coming back in this series, like I don't, we don't know what that injury is going to be, you know, knee inflammation. I mean, my knee swells up anytime I step goofy on a golf course. I mean, I'm not playing NBA game, so I can't, you know, relate to how much pain he's in, but regardless, like that could be a whole heap of different things. And this is what I see happening for the heat. No matter what, even Jimmy back or not, there's going to be some, Jimmy list lineups that Bam is running the show in. And the thing is, is he has to, like we said, he has to be the initiator of the play. He has to be the guy who forces the issue, causes Tatum, causes Brown to sink in and help out. And then guys like Max Struess, PJ Tucker, Gabe Vincent, and Tyler Hero specifically, those guys have to make their shots because there's going to be openings because there's no one that can stop Bam by themselves. But I, I do fear of Jason Tatum being a really good help defender. That's what I'm worried about. If Bam gets his, like a little bit too much, I'm only going to shoot. Yeah, I could see him getting meat at the rim and the second guy gets him. On the flip side, if you have no Jimmy, now defensively, you know, there start to be a little, it starts to get a little, little shaky out there. Um, we already have Lowry, you know, coming back from, uh, from his issues. Um, and, you know he's 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 gonna flop. He's gonna do his thing, but you start to not have the health. You know that you that you might need. Maybe we see more. I don't know. K- they seem to K- have. Caleb Martin stable. would have to play a lot if if yes, Jimmy like doesn't play. Oladipo, Caleb Martin. It seems like Duncan Robinson stapled to the bench, um, and it, you're just gonna start to see a, a bit more of of those guys, which 
you know, uh, how if you, you see those guys more so for, you know, because they have, you know, they're not going to get hunted defensively uh, in, in the way that, you know, uh, Hero or um, uh, you know, Duncan Robinson might. I, I, I don't know. I just, I begin to um, worry what, what that might look like or, or you know, on, on, on that side of the, of the floor because Jalen Brown, uh, you know, he, he went crazy, obviously. I mean, the turnovers, though, like, it's kind of a, dist- I don't know. It's a pretty. It's nice to get forty points, but you get seven turnovers. That's tough. Jason Tatum, six turnovers. That's difficult. You can't be having that. And and if they cut those in half, they win that game. So you've you've got to make sure that if you're Boston, that you protect the ball. Uh, but if Miami is without Jimmy Butler, that starts to open some some things up uh, uh, for Boston. And so I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see how it goes because the tough part about this particular series is it's every other day. You know, we're having a basketball game every night. And so you've got the, the amount of rest you have is not nearly as much as you had um, earlier on in, in these playoffs. Right. Every other game. Yep. Let's move on to this uh, this Mavericks Warriors series. And specifically to the, speaking to the Warriors who are ahead, I I think a lot of people just based on some of the the holes on the their defense, like they, obviously they had a good regular season defense. You're playing against a lot of bad teams. Um, Draymond Green's obviously incredible. We know all this, but a lot of people, and inclu- including myself, I thought the Warriors were the better team, and I thought they would be ahead in the series. But I did think they'd have far more trouble, like corralling Luca. I know he's having plenty, plenty good series with his game two performance, but I thought they'd have a lot more trouble um, keeping him and these shooters under wraps. And I mean, they last in this last game, the Mavericks shot 46% from three and it took a furious comeback from the Warriors to win this game. Guys, what are we seeing? Um, whether it comes to how they're going to corral Luca or how they're going to, how they're going to, continue to score so effectively against this Mavericks defense. Someone, someone pick it up and let's, let's get talking about the series. I think um, like looking at the series, uh, the Warriors came out and they try to do, I think defensively just try to confuse Luca as far as like not giving him the same look early on. And you can kind of see it in the first game. I think Luca was like six of 18. Like he still got some points in, but you kind of see him struggling more than usual. I will say this Phoenix also didn't have, in the previous round, Phoenix didn't have a defender like a Draymond Green, which I feel like Draymond Green is good at not just defending his guy, but I think he's good at communicating where other players needs to be. That's one of the most effective things about him, which helps out. Now, the second game, Luka definitely had a much, much better game. I mean, 12 for 23, and he shot 5 out of 10 from three-pointers, so definitely a good game. But it just seems like this series, I think about, was it a 26-point lead that the Mavericks lost in game two? Or something like that. It seems like when I look at it from top to bottom, I think we brought it up in the series preview. The Warriors, I feel like, just have a better – the role players for me are better. Like, when I think of, like, the Mavericks main guys, I know they don't have as many as the Warriors, but, like, you see these Warriors guys stepping up. And, like, Jordan Poole – having a guy like Jordan Poole coming off the bench is great for the Warriors. And then on top of that, Kevon Looney, who normally does not do much, let's be honest, like – I think we've all watched a lot of games he's played in, especially playoff games. And he's good for like a few offensive rebounds, a good, I'm going to go ahead and 
go to the basket, slip a screen here and there. But for him to have 21 points, that was big. And I think that's what it comes down to, looking at these role players and what they're doing. And and Luca did. I mean, some of Luca's role players come through. But if you look at the, I was looking at the box score for this game, it just kind of felt like, I mean, yeah, you had Brunson. He was able to get Brunson and Bullock, but maybe you guys can inform me more. In that second half, because it seems like Dallas came out super flat on the second half. Like, what was going on? What was going on with them? What were you guys seeing when you were watching it? Well, one thing that ended up happening is Draymond ended up getting in foul trouble here in this game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. because, I mean, you, you can look at the bench, who got who got minutes out. You know, we've we've got Jordan Poole and Otto Porter having minutes in the 20s. No one else got more than double digits, right? And those guys, when they were in, hit basically all of their shots. So you end up having, you know, Dr- Draymond offensively, like you start out the game with, with Jalen Brunson uh, defending uh, Draymond Green, which for me, I don't, I mean, uh, th- I think that's a really interesting call by Jason Kidd. I know we're back to the beginning of the game here, but it's an interesting call because you look at that and it just looks such to be such an obvious like size mismatch. It's like, okay, well, you know, Brunson's not, you know, just size-wise, he, he's just not a good defender. Uh, he's obviously, he'll probably try, you know, really hard. But if you have him on, on, on Draymond, I don't know why, if you were the Warriors, you don't go. Because they were willing to go to it a little bit later on when um, uh, uh, once uh, Brunson was out of the game. They went to, like, some high pick and roll with, you know, with, uh, with Draymond. I don't know why you don't go to that a little bit sooner. Um, if, if you have, uh, you know, Bullock is out there, maybe it's just because if you do get that switch, you do get the better, like, Hey, size wise, Bullock on Draymond versus, uh, Brunson on, on Curry. But guess what? You're, you're in the clear there. Like that, that's a, that's, you'd love to see that. And I think that if you were to do more of that, it would, it would help Draymond to be a little more, uh, a, a little more efficient because he can, you got four on threes. Uh, if, if they're especially worried about Steph. And and so, because I, I don't think if you're Bullock, you can't really leave um, Steph Curry because he's just going to rise up over over Brunson. And so I, I just feel like you could do a better job of getting uh, him, getting Draymond uh, in the mix, doing what he does in the short roll uh, a little bit sooner. But but the reason why they might not want to do that is, if you think about any any other sport, like football, you come out and you've got your you've got your game plan. You got your script. We're gonna go ahead and this is how we're going to begin attacking the game, and then we're gonna see where where it goes from there, and then make the necessary adjustments throughout the game. If you come in and it's like there's an obvious mismatch that you're like, oh wow, maybe I want to exploit this, but that's gonna take me out of what I wanted to do at the beginning. Then maybe you can get away with it, and and it, that looks to be a little bit of what Dallas was able to get away with at, at the start. And Draymond offensively wasn't able to contribute as much as I think he needed to, even though I think he really, really could. So we'll see what if they show up with that same uh, matchup to start the game. And I, I hope that we end up seeing a little more high pick and roll at least at the start. Like you'll you'll get the beautiful, um, you know, beautiful game warriors and, and movement and all that stuff. You know that, that those times will come, uh, Steve Kerr. But just I would I would start with it. I mean, this has been the thing that we've been harping on for a little while. It's like, hey, Steve, Steve, just a little more high pick and roll with, with uh, Steph and Draymond, just a little bit. And um, that way it doesn't take Draymond, uh, you know, getting into foul trouble for you to, um, you know, be able to 
explode offensively. Yeah, a little a little more of play to your advantage directly. Like, why not, right? And it's not like any of these one, like, scoring types for the Warriors are guys who won't pass the ball. It's not like if there's a high – if you run a high pick and roll and the help comes, that Curry won't pass, that Wiggins won't pass, that Thompson won't pass, that Draymond won't pass. Like, it's not like you're playing – high pick and roll with like Kevin Porter Jr. who only wants to throw very fancy passes to the roll man. Like again, I like Kevin Porter Jr. But like that's like a flaw of like a specific type of an archetype of scoring and facilitating guard. These guys are all happy to make that other pass. So there's no reason to not just run pick and roll to death when you have one of the best short roll players you can imagine. Guy who will probably always make the right decision in Draymond Green if he catches it with an advantage or with help coming, he will be able to make the right play. But, you know, the beautiful game is fun, and they do a good job of it. I mean, I think about like what a luxury it is. Like, right now, this part of the season, that Otto Porter Jr. can play so many minutes for you. Like, yeah, I know he's not, like, the max player that he never was, but he is definitely a guy who you everyone should have been after, and I wonder if he just knew I can get the best minutes on a good team playing for the Warriors. I wonder if he had a little bit of insight into how this team would work for him. But anyway, like I think the most important thing to, to keep in mind with, with this Warriors team is that they have so many options offensively that even with some defensive problems, like in terms of problem players, they have, they have the ability to go nuclear at any time with a Steph Curry, Clay Thompson and Jordan Poole. So more than almost any other team in the, in the league that's left, they have a chance to come back on you. I, I remember listening to the Thinking Basketball podcast, and they were talking about before, I think, this round. Uh, they were like, I don't know. I can't remember exactly when it was, but they were talking about, like, which teams had the most creators. Uh, and they, like, ba- they basically, I, I think it was still during the middle of the last round, because they, they mentioned Phoenix and theirs having, like, two and a quarter creators and, and uh, Bridges being like the quarter uh, creator in, in, in when you, when you look at this, this Warriors team, it's all right. Yep. I got, I got Steph for sure. All right. I got Jordan pool. Uh, I've got Draymond uh, who, who can, who can do that. And maybe you've got like three and uh and a half. If you throw, you know, Wiggins and, and, and clay together into some, I, I, whatever, you know, whatever you need there. And it's, you have so many, and then you, you look at, the this uh Mavs team and it's like okay yes you have the ability for you know uh Luca and Jalen Brunson great and, and Spencer Dinwiddie should be but if you're going to be so heliocentric around around Luca then you're you're not you're not allowing those other guys to uh to to make you pay as much and and, and to cause puncture holes into different different parts of the defense uh, if you're relying just on Luca which he's very good at it could be wrong but uh that's yeah the warriors have a lot of ways that they can uh that they can hurt you in the in that way you you don't have to you know if you're the mavs uh last series you were able to load up on the guys that you, you needed to it's a little more difficult to do that here against the warriors um let me let me ask let me ask you guys this and okay i kind of think specifically because I'm, I'm looking at a team like this right now the um the mavericks it is and I'm looking at the shooters that they have, and it, it just it brings me back to some some good old Heat Pacer games back in the you know the 2011 through whatever, right? And I'm seeing I'm basically I, I'm not you know uh, p- 
putting these guys on the, these pedestals, but I'm seeing the, the Dwayne Wade and LeBron James and then the others, right? And I'm seeing the, the Paul George and the aging Danny Granger and the others. And it all comes down to who can make shots. And is there a reason, like, they always say keep, like, role players shoot better on, on at home versus on the road and all this stuff. Like, I'm trying to find a real reason for this here. Like, we got guys like Reggie Bullock, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Jalen Brunson. They're all shooting so well in this game. And got a guy like Maxi Kleba, who I think is the key piece for the Mavericks to have any success. Is there any reason that Maxi Kleba is struggling so much in this series? Like, you know, a Roy Hibbard had struggled as he was the pivotal piece of slowing down LeBron James or Chris Bosch's, you know, rim attacks. Is there any reason this Maxi Kleba is struggling so far to start this series that I'm not picking up on? I just see him playing poorly and I don't necessarily know why. I was thinking about that too, because I was like, it doesn't make sense. I think first game was like one of four, uh, second game was one of five. And I was like, all right, well, maybe it's like law of averages. But I'm like, he's like a 36% three-point shooting uh, big guy for his career. So, like, that's what I would expect his average to be. And I'm going to preface what I'm about to say. I haven't got a chance to watch as much game film compared to the uh, Celtics heat with this one. But I'm trying to think. Sometimes I think when it comes down to the type of looks that you're getting. Like, I'm thinking of the looks that he's getting in this series compared to what he's getting with the Phoenix series. And that, that's what I'm looking at it, where I think Phoenix's defense, I mean, I think we talked about this, that besides Luka and Jalen, I think everyone else on Dallas had a pretty good shooting series from three-pointer, like their main role guys. And then compared to this series, like, yeah, you did. Their main role guys are having another good shooting series, but then as far as three, but then you're right about Max Kleba. And I'm trying to see, like, is this coming down to where he's getting his shots? Like, have we... Is there any way to look up or Richard, go ahead. Can you help me out with this? So, I mean, in, in this particular game, he got uh, three threes from uh, combined from the corners. Uh, that right corner, he is the only one that he made his his three from. And then he had a couple from above the break um, on, on the on the left wing that he missed. Um, and so, I, I, I mean, I know he got a million in that right corner. Uh, in some of the earlier series when they were trying, when they were picking on the, you know, the bigs and, 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 uh, you know, trying, trying to make Gobert defend him as well as the rim. Um, and they were trying to make, you know, Aiton do a similar thing. And, and so I, I'd have to look and see where, uh, you know, uh, Kleba is getting, getting those threes in the earlier series. I just remember a lot of them, I think coming from that right wing and, uh, I don't know, it, he only had I think, two from that right ring, and, and, and I he think made, made one, one out of two. So yeah, and I think I bring it up too because like you see those big guys at the Heat, not the Heat. Wow, the Suns, not the Suns. There we go, Mavericks. I'm getting there. You guys, I'll get there. I'll get there this morning. Um, that they had to go through. Whereas the Warriors, I think the Warriors, you mainly have Looney playing a lot of their set of minutes, and you have Draymond Green. I mean, he's their like power forward, and all that. And like I mainly think of it as I think Looney's a lot. Looney is definitely slow. I'll tell you that. But I think he's better as far as keeping up. And if Draymond gets switched on the Kleba, something happens. I think Draymond's obviously very good keeping up with him. Whereas you might not see an eight and fully commit to getting out there or Gobert fully get out there too. So those shots aren't there. But like I said, I would love to see the actual three points, like the footage of it to see, is it like a rush three pointer compared to maybe in the Phoenix or jazz series? It was he was getting more like 
someone uh, kicking addition to him where he had it, where this one, it's like, oh, his guy stayed at home closer to him. And that's why it makes it harder for make the three-pointer then. I think we've seen before in the past that sometimes with players, some series are just not a good fit for them or some matchups just aren't good. Like, Ethan, you brought up the Heat Pacers. The one thing I always remember is the last year, the last time the Heat and Pacers went against each other, the 14 playoffs, the Pacers struggled in the first round because the Hawks had that center. I think Antich was his last name, who shot three-pointers, three and the Pacers were just like, we're going to stick with Roy Hibbert. And what happened? It was just a matchup nightmare. And I think the matchups sometimes, and you guys have seen this, sometimes the matchups don't favor you. I mean, that's why Boba is not getting really not getting any play because matchup wouldn't matchup wouldn't really favor him, something like that. And that's what I'm thinking. Of. That's what I'm thinking of when I think of like Cleveland and his struggles. But he's a guy who you talk about role players performing on the road compared to home. He's a guy who I can see in game three, then come out and like, oh, he's three or four from three pointers. Yeah, and I wanted to bring it up because of all that. The thing is, Maxi Kleba, I thought was a, the kind of big who he's not an elite player. So, like, he's not matchup proof. Like, that's not something that exists for Maxi Kleba. But we saw Maxi Kleba in the last two times they played the Clippers. He was some t- the primary guy to guard the, the Kawhi Leonard. And then he was the guy who was in. The, the other teams was leaving open, but he was making them pay. I mean, by the way, so through 15 games this postseason, he shot uh, 45% from three. So it's just it's just so odd for me. And I, I know we, we we probably just need a little bit closer look at where the shots are coming from to understand why maybe some of them are a little bit more difficult so far this series. But again, like my whole thought is even at, at, at even at his age 30 season, I would think this guy would be. The, kind of the swing piece. We know what you're going to get from Luca, and then you you, you got to count on Reggie, Finney Smith, and um, Bertans when he plays. Those guys are the guys who are supposed to be able to shoot at this stage. Maxi Kleba needs to play to his averages, which is around that 36 percent, like you talked about. He needs to be able to play to his averages and be a, a be a complimentary player on the defensive end for Dallas to have any chance in the series, because he's the guy who enables you to play the the five out. He's the guy who enables you to. St- you know, play a guy who can shoot, but also can help you defensively. Like he, he seems like the most important player in this series. That's not like the star. These playoffs, he's been um, uh, hitting forty-five percent from three, and so he has been shooting above his head. Uh, but hey, if he, if you know, if he can get into that, you know, 30, 36 to forty percent range, you need that in tandem with every with. Uh, with with the rest of uh, the things that that you're bringing, right? Uh, in theory, he sh- you should be able to drive enough help off of him that he's able to get open looks. So we'll see. That, that that's a big thing um, for uh, for Dallas going going forward. Um, how do we think this ends? Uh, I think by the time that we pod next, these series might be getting close uh to, to to over depending on you know how i mean golden state could take a 3-0, 3-0 lead tonight uh so that you know how we feeling i i got warriors in five they've they i think i was listening to the dunked on podcast and they'd say the warriors haven't under under the steve kerr era they have not played a series that were in which they haven't won a road game and they've never lost a Western Conference series under in the Steve Kerr era. Yeah, I could see, but I can't see if this is a 
there's a game for Dallas to win to make it a five game series, this will be the game. Normally that game three, the home team comes out pretty energized. So that's I think Dallas is gonna win tonight, but I I also think that this could be a six game series. I think I can see Dallas tied it up. And we head back to Golden State two two. It's it's a it's a pivotal game three, as most game threes are for the team that's down O two, right? Uh, so we'll have to see. Um, can they, uh, you know, make it a series? Um, otherwise, Golden State's going to be able to be rested for, um, you know, wh- whatever Eastern Conference team comes out of this out of this bloodbath. So um, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I say that's the only thing that makes me nervous. I think the two teams in the East are actually quite a bit better when they're fully healthy. But my goodness, they might just kill each other. <laughs>